welcome to Drawn Out, a d- podcast about Disney. I did that so smooth, and my name is Brooke. <laughs> my name is Chase. Um, welcome to our episode. Um, we haven't really named episodes, I guess. This is our Bambi episode. I don't know what else we're going to call it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give them weird names. I want you to be able to easily find the film you're looking for. So welcome to Bambi. We haven't watched Bambi yet. We're going to talk about a different film. We're talking about Moose Hunt today. So we just watched the short Moose Hunt. It's a Silly Symphony, 1931. What did you think? It was... It was something. It was, I don't think it was what I was expecting. It has a lot of things that you would not expect. <laughs> yeah, it was very... It's different. This is um the earliest appearance of Pluto, is that? Um I don't know if it's the earliest, but it's definitely unique because he talks. <laughs> he does talk very Scooby-Doo like. Yeah, there there were a lot of odd things. I think I was expecting like it's Moose Hunt and it opens with like Mickey traipsing through the woods with his little shotgun and getting into sh- Mickey shenanigans with the safety off on the gun. <laughs> the oh my goodness. <laughs> but I was expecting more like a um what's the Warner Brothers Looney Tunes Bugs Bunny mm-hmm. cartoon. That's what I kind of was thinking it was going to be and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was weird. It was certainly Pluto centric. Yeah, cuz he's wandering around doing dog stuff and Gets scared by the scarecrow, and, like, he's scratching fleas off himself. The whole bit with him and the scarecrow was very funny and very much like my dog, <laughs> so I mm-hmm. found that really funny. Yeah. Uh, he, like, barks at the scarecrow, and he's scared of it, runs away, and then barks at it, and runs away. <laughs> it was very cute. Yeah. Um, well, and this is one where Pluto, like, he kind of looks more like a real dog than I've ever seen him. It's like, he, you get kind of a basset hound vibe from him. Yeah, absolutely. He had, like, the droopy ears. You can see the wrinkles on his mm-hmm. snout a lot more clearly. He's clearly, like, drawn to be a hunting dog. Yeah. Maybe a little bloodhoundish. Yeah. Um, and then he, Pluto picks up a, a big old stick that looks like antlers. Mickey in the distance sees a moose. Mm-hmm. Shoots it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he shoots the moose and then uh, he's it, very sad. Because he realizes it's Pluto. Yep. And I thought it was interesting. He turns to the audience and asks if there's a doctor in the house. <laughs> that was a pretty funny gag. Yeah, that was really awkward. He hit the moose and I was like, I guess that's why we're watching this with Bambi. This is fitting thematically. <laughs> and of course, Pluto's faking because... Mm-hmm. That would be weird if Pluto was dead. Yeah. Yeah, so Pluto, like, hams it up. And we can say something, say something, say something. <laughs> and then Pluto's like, kiss me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, lots of little fun and then they, gags like that. And they run into a real moose. Yep. Yep, they run into the real moose. Who um, kind of has an elephant seal sort of nose. Yeah, that was really weird. We were both very thrown by the animation on the moose's nose, but... Well, I looked at pictures of moose, and I guess it makes sense. It's still weird. It's not. It's not. It's not the exaggeration that we would have made, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's certainly a very large and very scary moose, and mm-hmm. Pluto and Mickey are running away. Right. And then eventually, they kind of jump off the cliff, cliff, and Pluto starts flapping his ears, and they just fly away. Yeah. Um. So maybe we should have watched it last week with Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, it was cute. A little silly symphony. Yeah. Um. The music was timed with the actions that was all one oh, and the same. Did you notice that Mickey had teeth? I did not. 
That's weird. Iggy had teeth, and it was weird. It was real weird. That is kind of weird. Like, I'm trying to picture Mickey Mouse having teeth, and it didn't sound odd, but now that I'm trying to visualize it, it is odd. Yeah, it was weird. Huh. No, I missed that. I liked the part where, like, he's yelling at Pluto for jumping in the lake, and he tells Pluto to lie down, and he's, like, scolding him, but Pluto's still wagging his tail. Mm -hmm. I was like, yep, that's what my dog does. She knows she's in trouble, so she looks sad, but she's also very excited that you're talking to her, and so her tail is still wagging. (laughs) Yep. Um, yeah, it was cute. Um, little silly symphony. I don't know if there's much else to say about that one, other than Pluto can talk, and that's weird. Because he never does again. He never did before, and he never does again. What kind of world is this? (laughs) (laughs) A world where uh, Timothy the Mouse, Timothy Q Mouse, can talk to people as well. That's That's the world we live in. That's true. Um, All right, so the main event of today, we're going to watch Bambi. Bambi. Which is exciting because neither of us have seen it. You have seen it. I watched it once maybe 15 years ago. And I don't remember a ton about it, and you have never seen it at all, all the way through. No, I've seen snippets and clips, and, um, so we did not have Bambi on VHS, but we did have a book of Disney stories, and Bambi was in there. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had this, like, picture book that had Bambi's story in it with, like, artwork from the film. Mm -hmm. So that'll make it interesting to, like, watch the film with those memories. Yeah. Yeah, so I know the story. Yeah. From the book. They I distinctly know that they left out without his mom died in the book. Spoiler alert for Bambi. <laughs> I feel like the uh the Bambi's mom dies Bambi's mom dies and uh Darth Vader is Luke's father. Those are yeah. the two cultural spoilers that you have to know whether you've seen the film or not. Yeah. <laughs> um but anyway, so Let's go. Let's go watch some Bambi. We will see you after the musical interlude. We are back. Um, well, I liked it. I had a lot of fun watching that movie. It is and so I sweet. only cried a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> General thoughts. What did you think? I I was kind of surprised how it still had a lot of like a Fantasia feel and influence in it. And it was just, it felt a little bit different than other Disney movies, like just in the art, not just the animals, but the backgrounds and the, and the, and the, like just the, the general depiction of nature. Oh yeah. Like the opening scene is so detailed. Yeah. And like, like the minute it opened, you were like, oh yeah, this is the first film to use oil painting. And I was like, duh. Like you can tell mm-hmm. right off the bat. It is. Yeah, um, it's incredibly detailed and it's beautiful. Yeah, like, backgrounds were positively gorgeous. Yeah, and like Wallace, it was like he knew some of the animators like to do oil, and some of the painters like to do oil in their free time. And like, dude, let's bring that in, <laughs> and yeah. it really benefits. Absolutely, that. it was gorgeous. Um, I guess I didn't really like think about the increased detail you could do with mm-hmm. like an oil background versus mm-hmm. a watercolor. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, I feel like we've mentioned the. Um, 
layered camera a couple mm-hmm. times, I yeah. think. But you can see it absolutely mm-hmm. in this film with the long pans as things are moving mm-hmm. and it's really beautiful. I think that was probably my favorite part of the whole film was that interplay of color and light in a really new and vibrant way. Yeah. And I like I was watching it, I was like, well like it's not like this is the first film where light and color and music have affected the story, right? Like, that's a thing in animation. Yeah. But you really felt it in Bambi, so I'm glad that you, like, yeah, got it's, it. No, it's ex- me. It's, 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 no, it's extremely, like, imp- I, want, I want to say impressionist, like, but it's too detailed. It's not even... Impressionist isn't the word, but, like, they do different... I probably should put my hands in front of my mouth while we record. <laughs> <laughs> they do different, like... Styles isn't the word, it's the coloring. Yeah. It's specifically they do color to express a mood or a feeling Mm -hmm. um the key like i literally wrote down like the color shifts and then like every note thereafter was like this is the new color yeah i want to see one of those um oh god have you seen where they do like every frame and they just like push it into one compressed bar Mm -hmm. so um my favorite one that i've seen is someone did harry potter all seven eight films and it's very, 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 very dark until the very end when he's at King's Cross. There's, like, this streak of white. It's yeah. really cool. But I would love to see a, one yeah. of Bambi. Um, but, yeah, so key scenes, the um, meadow when mm-hmm. they are getting chased by the hunters. The next big color shift is when it's winter and Bambi's looking for his mm-hmm. mom. Everything's in blues and blacks mm-hmm. and that white and... Mm-hmm. Oh, that was gorgeous, and the echo on the audio was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he's in love with Feline like and the he's pink, in the clouds the immediately, clouds. that was such a good animation moment, yeah. right? Where they're like, we want to express this intimate moment. And so they just changed the background mm-hmm. to express Bambi's feelings, and it was like, this, this is what I love about animation as an art. Yeah. And I think, yeah, this is the first of the films we've watched where I thought, I'm glad that we have this art form. Yeah. Not just like, I like animated movies, but like really seeing. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Oh, and then of course when they're running from the fire. Mm-hmm. No, oh, oh and the then fight. the fight, the fight. Mm-hmm. I have the fight and the clouds is what I have written down. Um, And that's not even like we changed the color palette. It the was... fight is like pure, um, almost charoscuro lighting. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Just the highlights. The highlights of this whole movie are really good, actually. Yeah. Like... It really is. <laughs> uh, yeah, animation in this movie is amazing. The mm-hmm. art is gorgeous. I kind of went off on your thing. Yeah, so. no, like... <laughs> no, like, uh, most of my notes are, like, are in specific things. But, yeah, those are my general impressions. Yeah, my notes are literally all, like, oh, color. <laughs> um, for beginning... And then I have a couple notes at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I was very reminded of The Lion King. Yeah. Um, with the, like, go see the new prince. Yeah. Oh, this is very Lion like King that. moment. Mm-hmm. All the animals coming together. Um, oh, I think I have another general note on the animation. Like, we've talked a little bit about articulation. Yeah. Especially, like, as we watch, like, rubber hose cartoons, and then we're doing, like, the actual animated mm-hmm. features, and we talk a little bit with Pinocchio. But, like, each animal had that mm-hmm. distinct way that it moved and yeah. it was clear they had spent a lot of time mm-hmm. studying the animals yeah definitely like well in, in my research I found that the animators not only like you know there were a couple of live deer donated to the studio for a little bit and they went to the LA zoo to see them and they even like at one point they had 
deer carcasses and like moved moved them around mm-hmm. to see the way that the te- up close the way that their tendons moved and stuff like and it stank but like that's, yeah. a, that's a sacrifice for art <laughs> and like I re- and you really notice it like just those Bambi on his little spindly legs and it's like yeah. it looks like you know yeah it was like the first nature show <laughs> yeah it was really they did a very very good job mm-hmm. with each mm-hmm. movement and and another reason that Walt wanted them to study it so quick, so fervently, they wanted, he he described the animal characters like, I want them to be actors, I want them to be accurate, and I want them to be expressive, and they did such a good job of that. Like, little baby boy Thumper, I love him. <laughs> and did you notice that, um, like, most of the rabbits, they have the big two front teeth? He only had one! He only had one! Like a little boy with missing teeth! <laughs> cute. It was so cute. Um, and his voice was just right. We also watched bo- some bonus features that like yes. had the um you know the now the now older um the ch- the child actors who had done the voices of Thumper and Bambi and Feline and oh my goodness it's like it, it's it's nice to know that di- like at Disney's always been a place for kids. Like even the yeah. studio was. Yeah, and so it was really interesting to and listen they, to and them. They, and they they like had they all described like such good memories of like Disney himself. Yeah. And the animators like they would use word you know they were they were gentle they were you know. And they talked too about like how on the topic of Walt wanting the animals to be expressive they studied the faces of the child Ch- actors. Yeah, and some of the some of the voices that were brought in just to be models yeah. for the faces but then they did some recording just for background voices and like oh yeah there's our voice yeah um yeah i think that's really cool and then i you meant like disney is a place for kids and i thought that while like not even just the features while i was watching the film i was like these are real kids yeah i know these kids this movie is for kids and it's also really great to enjoy as an adult. Yeah. Like, we can sit here and talk about the art in it, and it's just, it's very clear why this film has touched so many people. And oh, it's just, it's beautiful, and and that kind of explains, like, the, kind of the counter-reputation it has, or, like, uh, in one of the early screenings before the full release, some of the teenage boys in the audience, they laughed when Bambi's mom died. Like, I've I have four younger brothers. I have had at least one teenage brother for the last long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> I still do have one left, and actually, well, two because one is nineteen, and that still counts. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but um, so like you understand like that that wanting to turn against the things that are good and pure. But I'm glad that most people come back from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think like there's this. I mean, at least for me, particularly teenage years, like, emotions were very, very strong. Yeah. And so when you were confronted with a strong emotion, it was a lot easier to just ignore it. Yeah. Um, and just not deal with it, or to use laughter to just not participate. Um, uh, I mean, people change and grow, and I yeah. think that maybe it's harder for boys who are taught not to grow yeah. out of that ignoring, yeah. ignoring emotions bit, but that's a, that's a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a whole, that's a whole other um, thing. <laughs> I, actually, so I mentioned I almost okay. cried. It wasn't even when Bambi's mom died. So, like, 
first viewing of the film when they're in the meadow and they start running I was like oh my god is it now because I'm not ready right now like this can't be it yeah um and I almost like started crying as like Bambi's dad is like getting them all out of the meadow and Bambi mm-hmm. can't find his mom I, I know like, no I can't do this yet yeah. <laughs> um I didn't actually cry when she actually died I think I was just more ready like yeah. I've been through the emotion of yeah, losing that her. works <laughs> Um, but it was very sad, like, the blizzard and the blues and the whites, and then his dad's just there. Anyway. Well, and one thing I noticed, like, um, when, you know, the great prince of the forest comes down to warn everybody in the meadow, and everyone just, like, turns around and looks up, it's kind of like, it's like in the Rite of Spring section of Fantasia, when they've got the horns, and, like, there's the T-Rex coming, and all the dinosaurs are, (gasps) Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. very similar in tone and, and just in in the way that they moved. Yeah, it really it really was. Um, I you can see you mentioned Fantasia at the beginning, and you can absolutely see yeah. the influence of it on this film. And they realized like we can not just like silly symphonies are very <laughs> clear that like music and story can work together yeah. to do something fun and great. And I feel like Bambi is the film where they went, we can do so much more. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like Fantasia, he was um, trying to mix high and low art, but yeah. in Bambi, it really got clear that, like, animation can be high art. Yeah. And it was so interesting to have the studio that did the best of the, you know, the best of the low art yeah. and the best of the high art. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely a good way to explain it. And I definitely preferred the fire animation this time. <laughs> really? Because I thought it was very similar to the f- really? fire in Fantasia. Oh, no. I Like, the when, especially when they pan out onto yeah. the forest fire, it looks like oil. Like... Mm-hmm. Believe, the colors are moving and yeah. bleeding into each other. It looked like an oil spill on the sky, and I just thought it was positively gorgeous. And the flames licking as like the animation while they were running through mm-hmm. the burning forest didn't bother me. And I loved the detail of the embers. Yeah, the fire in Fantasia felt very. Um, it didn't feel fluid. It felt like here's a flame and it, it's moving. Mm-hmm. Whereas the fire in this film felt like it was a part of the scenery in a different that way. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I liked about the, the snow scene, mm-hmm. um, which there's like several snow scenes. Oh, like the kind of the middle, like kind of the happier one where Bambi's playing in the okay, snow. Okay. 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 I loved the idea like, oh, like, oh, look at that. It's falling on me. It makes snow look so much fun. And <laughs> oh, it's, it it's not, let me tell you, snow is not that like, if it's it, fun for the first it's, part, it's fun for the first part and it's fun to watch outside. But if you have to shovel your own walkway yeah. or you have to tent. Spend ten minutes warming up your car and scraping off ice in the morning. Yep. That yeah. Yep. No yeah the the one the one semester in school where I had like the hardest car to deal with was the one when I lived really far away from campus and I had to drive every day. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. No, I have no desire to live somewhere with snow, and I feel like that's like. You see this too in Bambi, right? Like, snow is great and snow is fun and we're all excited and we're on the frozen mm-hmm. lake and skating and mm-hmm. then, like, oh, there's no food and yeah. we are starving yep. and things and, are cold and lonely. And there's nothing to do in this outside when it's snowing unless you're, like, have the money and time and, like, physical stamina required to do, like, the heavies. <laughs> We're both California girls, we'll say that, but I lived, I went to college in Idaho. I spent five years there. It's a fun place to visit. I miss, (laughs) I miss having huckleberry flavored everything. (laughs) But you don't miss winter. I don't miss winter that much. Yeah. Anytime I travel 
during winter or summer, I always come back disappointed. If I travel in spring, wherever I go, I'm like, wow, I love this place. This is so great. I would live here. But the minute I'm traveling in winter or in summer, I'm like, no, I hate it. This is awful. Everything mm -hmm. is the worst. I would never live here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm never coming back to this place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Winter's well, gross. <laughs> it is. But and at least we live on the right side of the mountains that the summers aren't the worst either. Yeah. <laughs> and I like being able to go to the mountains when it snows in the winter. So yeah. like, oh, it's winter. I can go visit mm -hmm. the snow mm -hmm. and I will enjoy it. And mm -hmm. then I get to leave. The best compliment anybody <laughs> ever paid me. There, there is this guy. Um, we were friends in high school and we, we ended up going to the same college after a little while. And one time he, he was trying to date my roommate, which was funny because <laughs> I was trying to date him all through high school. <laughs> um, but no, I want, like, I, I wanted them to, I was like, I want, I, I want to see what happens here. But I was, it was real snowing really bad. And so I drove him home. He had, he had served, uh, he had been a missionary in Colorado. He had learned how to drive in the snow and I drove him home in the, in, in the snow and he's like, holy cow, you're the best snow driver I've ever seen. <laughs> And that that means a great deal to me. <laughs> like the, one of my, it's one of my favorite compliments ever. As someone who grew up in California, California where you're judged as a driver generally, and sometimes as a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can drive in like, I can drive in the rain. I can drive in the snow. <laughs> I need to get a fast track thing though, because I hate sitting in traffic. That's fair. Traffic yeah. is the worst, and that's something that comes with living in L.A. Yep, unless, <laughs> unless like, you make enough money to take the Metrolink everywhere, mm -hmm. which, honestly, is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it costs a lot. Anyway, let's get back to Bambi. So... And, oh, yeah, so he's ice skating now. Thumper's like, boom, 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 you know, come on in, the water's stiff, <laughs> which I love. That is a great line. Such a good line. And there's a moment when Bambi is, like, tripping, and he's trying to get up and skate around on the ice, and he just makes this face looking around himself, like, which one of my legs is betraying me? <laughs> which one of you thought of doing this? Why are you conspiring against me? Bambi's clumsiness is the cutest, most endearing thing. It is um, so sweet. There's, like, a Disney... I don't know, aphorism? Aphorism's a saying. Yeah. It's not really a saying, it's a belief. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Walt Disney who said it. Uh, might be wrong. But Whatever. it's a really, it's an idea that's pervasive enough in, like, film and storytelling um, that, like, we don't love the characters that succeed. We love the characters that try really hard. And I think that's part of just what makes Bambi so endearing is he just, like tries things and yeah. they're really hard for him because he he's can't a, figure out how to work his legs because he's a baby <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i love i love bambi yeah and i love the springtime and I, you said like the owl was complaining about all the birds pairing up and you were like owls not mate <laughs> Did it did make that comment? Well, uh, maybe just not that owl, but <laughs> maybe just not that owl. I'm gonna look up if owls have a mating season. <laughs> this is the thing I'm actually I've gonna been, do right now. Yeah, and it was so cute because like everybody is teenagers. Like um, Thumper had these whiskers that kind of looked like you know the ratty mustache that teenagers try to grow sometimes because they can. Yes, <laughs> and it's very like each like, pairing off scene. It mm -hmm. has a very different tone that fits them. Like, Flowers is very, very sweet. And then Thumper's is 
they had they had that really brash like alto sax sound in it. Like it wasn't it wasn't mm-hmm. like overtly sexy, but it was a little it was a little raunchier, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And Which its tone is... without without like being like not a kids movie. Right, right, right. And that's and, very. Fun and then part. Bambi and then Bambi's was just like right smack between those two because yeah. you still had the sax and you had like oh I love that scene of him getting. His antlers caught in the flowers and they're falling down when she comes up to kiss his cheek. So cute. Oh my gosh. Um, for the record, Owl's made in spring. So I okay. guess it's just that. Maybe owl. he was just old, yeah. He's old. <laughs> and um, my last note is that um, when we get to everybody as adults, oh my no, gosh. No, that's a baby. Oh, she's showing me a baby owl right now. And. Oh, what a little fluffy monster. <laughs> it looks so grumpy. <laughs> uh, um, anyway. When we get to where everybody's an adult, um, I will note again, um, adult flower is voiced by Sterling Holloway. One line. <laughs> One line, but you can still definitely tell it's him. So, like, there, there's a there's a second one for our Sterling Holloway tracker. I don't know if you're interested in that, but I am that because is, I love uh, him. Is it two or three? Um, two. This, it's two at this point, two. but it's going to be, like... 10. <laughs> Something like that. It feels like it should be more. <laughs> no, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be a lot. I didn't know he started as early as, as this, though. Like, or as early mm. as Dumbo. Mm-hmm. But, yep. but he just has that great voice for, like, he's, he's one of the great Disney voices. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, everybody would recognize him. Yeah. 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 And, like, even the new Winnie the Pooh movie, whoever's doing the voice of Pooh, does the Sterling Holloway voice. I'm excited for that. I'm, I am. I thought I wasn't going to be, but then I saw the preview, and it just looks so charming. <laughs> and if you think I'm going to say no to anything with Haley Atwell in it, you're insane. That's fair. <laughs> um, also, Ian McGregor, so... That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would never say no to Ian McGregor. No. I, <laughs> I love, love Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. And I know you love Haley Atwell. <laughs> I do. I, I really do. <laughs> Any last thoughts? Well, um, we... One of the things I thought was interesting, um, I, I really want to read the book. Yeah, like, because, yeah, in our research, we found just, like, the most interesting stuff. Like, it was, it's a novel, not, it's not a children's novel. It was written by an Austrian for adults, and it gets, a, there are lots of heavy things where you have Bambi's father showing him, like, the body of a hunter who was shot by his hunter friends, and, like, humans aren't immortal, <laughs> It's crazy. Well, the thing that, like, like you saying that, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to read this book. And then we yeah. went and watched the deleted scenes, mm-hmm. and there was the scene between the two leaves. Um, oh. Which, like, so I want to preface with, I am glad that they cut the scene yeah. with the two leaves. Um, but the dialogue that was written between the leaves is, like, these two leaves, and they know that winter is coming, and they're going to fall off they the tree, mm-hmm. but they've been together all this time, and they're trying to, like, they're basically talking each other through death. Yeah. Which was a really powerful moment. And trying to speculate on the afterlife, and, like, yeah. I w- and I'm like, yeah, I got the sense of, like, oh, that has to be from the book. Yeah, oh, absolutely, I'm sure it is, which was another reason I want to read the book, but I also, like, it reminded me... The whole thing, like, the here's a scene that's really powerful in the book. How do we represent it on screen mm-hmm. and keep that power? And realizing you can't, so that they ended up just showing the leaves and then having them fall. And it was interesting because I had, like, I hadn't gotten the romantic connection between the leaves of, like, these two 
close <laughs> friends yeah. or lovers talking each other about death. But it was very much like, these are the last two, and they've held on, and they fell together. And there was something really powerful just yeah. about the shot. It really reminded me of um, Lord of the Rings. There's a scene in the books where Frodo and Sam are walking through Mordor, mm-hmm. and Sam looks up and sees a star. And there's this whole paragraph that's like describing how even in Mordor, there's this beautiful, brilliant star, and it's this Mm -hmm. beacon of hope. And there's that great symbolism Mm -hmm. in it that you can have in the writing, and then it's not in the film at all, unless you watch the extended scene, the extended edition. And in the extended edition, Sam's like, oh, Frodo, look at that light. Let me explain to you why this is a great metaphor. And I was like, "Uh, it's not as powerful. It just doesn't work. It's hard to do. And that, like... And that animated bit, it doesn't quite fit with the rest of the movie, but it's beautiful on its own. If you oh, can yeah. find it, you should go and watch it, listeners. Like, but don't do it if you're already feeling down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah. If you're already bothered by the impermanence of existence, <laughs> maybe don't. Yeah. Um, but it is really um, good and beautiful. I did yeah. cry a little bit. And the and the other thing, too, is, like, if I want, like, if you're into reading books that were banned by Nazis, <laughs> Bambi is on that list. Bambi was banned in Nazi Germany because it was thought that the plight of the animals might be, like, viewed as a metaphor for the Jewish people. Which, and there's some scenes, like, that were still included in the movie, like, the pheasant ladies trying to run, like, trying to hide from the hunters, mm-hmm. and then one gets too scared and flies up and gets shot, and... Wow. Yeah, no, I just added it to my Goodreads list, so... Yeah, I, know, I know what I'm getting at the library next time. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm gonna download all those library apps and try to find that, so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to reading that. Um, yeah. And the other thing that we loved, we watched another, um, kind of a bonus thing with the kids... I think I mentioned that already, but um, we also found out that the um, the little boy who did the voice of Bambi, he grew up to be a career Marine. Like, <laughs> very, like, he was wounded in Vietnam three times. He was the youngest drill instructor in the history of the Corps. And remember, in the Marines, it's drill instructor, not drill sergeant. <laughs> my, my, my Marine brother has been very clear on that a couple of times. <laughs> um and it never said anything about it his whole career because, you know, you don't want to want to give the guys a reason to make fun of you. And then he said it came up two months before he retired and he, he was asked to do something he felt he was too busy to do. And the, he saw that the general he was talking to had this folder with his name on it. And he's like, what? And then the general's like, you're going to do this thing I asked you to do, Major Bambi. <laughs> Which is just... Uh, and then when you see him in the interviews, like, in the bonus features we watched and, like, other ones online, he's like, you know, I wish I had told people because I'm still really proud of it. And I'm glad that, like, I've kind of figured out how to imitate my little, my own little boy voice so that if kids ask me to do it now that I can do the, you know, do the bird for them. And that's just really sweet of, like... When you create something as a kid, like, you can still have that, that connection to that it makes for other kids in the future can kind of, you know, keep a soft place for you. Yeah, I... Yeah, I, I think I can relate. Like, a lot, like, the things that you do when you're a kid, you're embarrassed for them as an adult. Yeah. Until you talk to kids and you're like, kids are like this and kids will love this. Yeah. I mean, said the, said the girl who's running a D&D campaign. 
based in a world she created as a teenager. I mean, fair. I've edited it a lot since I was 14, and yeah. I'm not making the podcast for 14-year-olds. The 14-year-olds yeah. are welcome to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's... And, I'm, like, we love Disney, right? And, like, that's such a childish thing, but it's also not. I, yeah, and it... I still get sad, like, I don't know about your Twitter feed, but mine has, like, some things popping up about, like, the weirdness of adults who are still into Disney. Yeah. And it's, like, I mean, for part, like, it's, for me, it's it's a very, like, it feels like an essential part of me because I like having that childlike place to go and, like, my number, like, I, you know, I know this sounds weird and it doesn't always, like, sound great if that makes sense but like I want to be a mom so bad (laughs) and I like kind of keeping up with like okay what are the things that my kids you know might be into what are some things that I can take from this that I can show my kids or that I can personally use in my parenting outside of my kids media choices you know yeah and I like I think there's something important about loving what you loved as a kid. Um, I think it was C.S. Lewis who (laughs) said, like, what is the point in growing old if I can't still love the things I loved as a kid? I'm just going to also love other things. Yeah, and, like, I think there's another way that he put it. I I still call it Lewis's Law today. Um, A children's story that cannot be enjoyed by adults is not a good children's story. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably a pretty good maxim. Um, And I think, like... You shouldn't enjoy Disney uncritically, right? Yeah. And, like, that's... I hope that you guys don't feel like we're enjoying Disney uncritically in this podcast. I think that we do our fair share of criticism. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. um, But there's still plenty of things to be joyful about in Disney films. Um, Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I love Disney. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And it, I like that, and it's so interesting to me that such a ten, that Disney put out such a tender movie mm. in the middle, like right as you know, right as the U.S. was getting into the war, and while the U.S. government was practically funding and running the studio. Yeah, I mean we're and, we're still pre Pearl Harbor. No, um, uh, no, forty two. Oh, 41. Pearl Harbor's December 41. You're yeah. right. Yeah, and Let then Bambi history. came out, like, August 42. Yeah. Uh, I have it up right here. August 13th. Yep. Oh, wow. So Saludos Amigos is only a couple weeks after Bambi. So yep. that's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we... Yeah, we're right in World War II. We're yeah. getting in the thick of it. We just had D-Day. Yeah. Crazy. Um, so we're going to hit some interesting films coming up. Yeah, and speaking of, next week, um, we're doing something. Yeah, next week we're gonna do... Something a little bit different. A little bit different. Um, We're gonna do a double feature instead of a short and a feature. Um, Saludos Amigos and the Three Caballeros are both around an hour or less, Mm -hmm. Um, so they're not quite feature films Mm -hmm. in their entirety, so we're gonna pair them together. Um, So, for reference, Three Caballeros is December 1944, um, so that's kind of wrapping up the Western, Eastern Front? The European Front. That's yeah. the, the European Theater. Uh, um, <laughs> wrapping up the European Theater and getting into the real thick of, of the Pacific, the Pacific Theater. Theater. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I mean, we can talk. We'll talk. Never yeah, mind. No, I was well, going to say some things about Sluta Smigo. No, it's okay. <laughs> we, we'll do that well, next week. I know. Like, there are some things that I already know about, like, the background of it, and there's some stuff I still need to research, but we'll get we'll get there, you yeah. guys. I don't think I've seen either one of these. I think I've seen parts of Three Caballeros for some reason. Okay. But maybe but maybe I'm just conflating, like, seeing the, the VHS cover at a rental store <laughs> with my dad's stories of the time he lived in Brazil. Mmm... <laughs> That's an interesting conflation. It's like your dad's stories, but you're just picturing Donald Duck. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, or like, um, like sometimes he'll he'll say things in Portuguese just to bug me because Portuguese <laughs> just sounds so odd to me. I love huh. it. I love the sound of it, and I like you know what Brazil did for my dad. <laughs> but it's um, as a person who likes learning languages, it just frustrates me. It's <laughs> so interesting. I- but. Um, but I think when I was younger, he would he would talk in Portuguese a little more often. Mm. It was before he got it too mixed up with his Spanish. Mm. Yeah, my dad used to talk to us in Spanish. Cause my dad worked in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he would always talk to us in Spanish. And then he stopped as we got older. Yeah. Um, which always made me a little disappointed. Um, but then, like, as an adult, I would, like, work in a restaurant with um, Mexican ladies. And they would speak Spanish at me. And I wouldn't know what they said consciously, but I would do what they asked, even yeah. though I didn't understand. <laughs> it was very strange. Yeah. And, yeah, I think I, I think that's a little bit... I Sometimes I feel like that might be a general California experience. Fair. Uh, yeah, that's fair. The weirdest part, though, was they would call me Miha, which <laughs> sparked this very strange emotion, because I had only been called Miha by my father as a child. Yeah. Um, and so it was like the... Oh, you get to call me that now? Like, that's a thing that my dad used to do. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah, well, and I mean, or and like, and I sometimes when I'm listening, I will get Portuguese and Spanish mixed up because my dad speaks Portuguese from the time he lived in Brazil, but his dad was born and raised in Mexico. And mm. so, and especially, you know, and like, I, you know, my grandpa never called us Mija Mijo or anything, but like... He would talk to us in Spanish sometimes, and he does more now as he's getting older. Like, he grew up speaking English and Spanish, and um, his brain is operating more and more in Spanish mm. as he's gotten older. Th- thankfully, my grandma speaks Spanish. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. We, I remember um, I was teaching a class. Um, it was a program that was geared towards children who were recent immigrants, and mm-hmm. so, like, learning English um, and stuff. And But, like, mostly we... We were learning English. We were specifically learning identity. English was a really great program. And we did a lot of art. And I loved it. I loved just doing art with kids. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They were all high school level. Um, Most of them were, like, freshmen and sophomores. And so there was a day we were all just sitting around talking while we were drawing. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a student... I was sitting with a student from Brazil, a student from El Salvador, and then a student from Mexico. And they started comparing slang, which was so that is so fun. They'd be like, oh, do you have a word for this in Portuguese, or do you have a word for this in El Salvador? Yeah. Um, I don't remember. One of them was like, we don't have a word for engaged. Like, 
whatever phrase you guys use for, like, intending to marry, yeah. they didn't have that. And I was like, that's so interesting. They just had oh. dating and married. At least if it was, the student didn't know what yeah. it was. It was just really fun. We that's just talked about lots of things. Yeah, yeah it was Well, really and cool. I'm interested to see how things go. Um, one of my brothers lives in Argentina right now. Mm-hmm. And when he gets back, I'm interested to, see, to hear how his Argentine Spanish compares with, <laughs> like, the more Mexican Spanish mm-hmm. he learned in high school compared to the Mexican Spanish that... My grandpa speaks. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Because be when you're listening to Argentine Spanish, if you don't know it's Spanish, you think it's Italian. Huh. Because uh, that's been my experience with other friends who have, like, got, who've been missionaries yeah. in Argentina. That's they really come cool. back and you think it's Italian. <laughs> that's really, really cool. Um, any but, closing thoughts about Mandy before we wrap up? Um, we kind of went on a tangent there. Which yeah, is we fine. did. I, I think it was fun. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's. I think I kept, with the ki- I think my, my spiel about the kids was kind of my like closing thing. Okay. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to check in before we officially close out. Yeah. So join us next week for Saludos Amigos and the Three Caballeros. Um. Do you want to watch them just back to back and dive into the podcast? Do you want to watch one? Pause. We'll, f- we'll, f- we'll figure it out. We'll see. I, th- I think we can play that by ear. Okay. I sh- so that people know that they should watch before they listen. Oh. Or should they start it and then go watch with us? I don't know. <laughs> I think we'll probably start with Saludos Amigos and then pause mm-hmm. and then talk and watch three copies. That might be that might be better. Yeah. So yeah. if you are gonna watch with us, go ahead and watch Saludos Amigos and then join our podcast and you can pause and watch the Caballeros. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't watch it all, okay, then listen next week. <laughs> um, and if you watch it all in the front, great. That's how I usually do my rewatch podcasts that I yep. listen to is I do it all the front. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> each their own. But if you are listening like with us, do Saludos Amigos first. Yeah. And, then and so we, with that, we'll see you next week. If you want next to fo- follow us um, yes. on Twitter and Instagram, we're at Drawn Out Cast. If you want to follow me personally, um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Brookamimi. And you can find me at Chaser Tiff. So join us next week for a new episode of Drawn Out. That will be. Dang it, I forgot Spanish for fun. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't know how to help you there. Um, I was looking, I was going to say you should tweet us what the Spanish of drawn out would be. Because I don't know. <laughs> no, soy male mexicana. Lo siento. <laughs> This podcast is in no way affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its subsidiaries. The views expressed in this podcast by its hosts and its guests belong solely to those people and are not in any way representative of Disney nor any of our employers. Thanks for listening.